Hey Dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo, and today I have the pleasure of talking with Zephin Moses Blacksburg, who is making his dreams come true by travel hacking and couch surfing his way to purpose. Uh, welcome to the show, Zephin. Hey Joe, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, that's great. I'm great. glad to have you. I know it took a little while to get you on, but it's actually worked out because your book is uh, now out, right? Yeah, so Life Rescripted, Find Your Purpose and Design Your Dream Life Before the Curtains Close is now up on Amazon, and it hit number one bestseller three times. Sweet. In what categories? Uh, in self-transformation, entrepreneurship, and self-help. Sweet. Congratulations, man. Thanks, man. I was only able to get one of those personal personal transformation. I think. Or, I'm sorry, personal yeah, transformation. That's, yeah, yeah that, personal. that's the one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was tough. I got it for like two, I don't know, like a couple hours. It's it's <laughs> tough. I was actually I remember sitting at the office and it was at number two, and um, I'm I'm like, who's this guy in number one who's outranking me? Like, I want to go home. I want to leave the office. Come on, can he just like drop down a little bit for like an hour? And it was stuck on two. I got home, hit number one, and uh, it, it's really been an amazing experience so far. Love it. You know, that's that's one of the things like we love. Uh, we love looking at numbers and stuff like that. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely great when we're able to, to to make those types of dreams come true and say, you know, look, I made it, uh, and and you know, Amazon approved. Uh, so, exactly. Zephan, why don't we get started by giving some background about yourself? Yeah, my story is a little bit crazy. You know, I, I always tell people I've held every job in the book from being a pastry chef to working at the Apple Store Genius Bar. Uh, but my real story kind of starts with post-college, uh, graduated 2010 as a film major, James Madison University represent. And um, got a job working for marketers Bill Glazer and Dan Kennedy. Had never heard about information marketing before. And next thing you know, I'm running their video studio and going out to all of their live events and conferences. And uh, I don't think that I realized the types of resources that I had at my fingertips and the things that I was learning until much later on. Uh, but after about a year, I left that role and started working with Apple, fixing I parts, I things, everything I, and uh, worked there for about a year until I just really fell out of love with it. You know, it had lost its charm uh, when you've got people coming in day in and day out that are telling you about broken things that, you know, things just aren't working. How can you really back up a product if you're in that role of just hearing about broken stuff all day? Uh, and that's when I decided, you know what, my roots are in video. It's what I went to school for. Let's go back to that. And uh, started a video production company in May of 2013. And uh, since then, that has just soared. I mean, got an invite to the White House with Secret Service clearance for a day. Did an awesome video shoot with Homeland Security. Uh, have work inside of NFL, NHL stadiums across the country. A uh, couple of NBA arenas. It, it's been extremely fulfilling to build a successful business. But on the back end of that, I really didn't feel satisfied or happy. You know, it's one thing to have success and uh, to build a successful business, but it's another thing to really check in with yourself and find out how you're doing outside of the working world. And so after uh, putting the business on hold in November and December of 2014 now, uh, it's crazy how long ago it's been, I took two months to travel, hack, and couch surf around the world. 
uh, or around the country and then travel ultimately increased after that. Uh, but yeah, I, I traveled and when I got back, the Year of Purpose podcast was born and wrote this book. And now I'm here. I've interviewed over 125 people in 2015 and uh, it's just been an amazing journey so far. I love it, man. I love it, love it, love it. And, uh, you know, props to you for, for doing the podcast and doing it, uh, you know, as much as you possibly can, because uh, that's how I, you know, I went from one day a week to three days a week within just a week's time. And then it was like, you know what, screw that. Three weeks later, I'm jumping in five days a week, because what the heck's two more episodes at that point? Yeah, why not? And just rolled with it until it was like, okay, well, now I, there's other things I want to do, too, like write a book. Okay, well, let's go down to three days a week. Okay, now there's other projects, but other podcasts I want to start. And it's like, okay, now we're back down to one. But you know what? It doesn't it doesn't matter because you know what? Both of us we're doing what we want, and we we have a sense of purpose in what we're doing. And uh, I you know I and we were talking about this before the show. Uh, the idea of like the whole millennial thing and how I I feel like I'm on the cut like the cusp of not being one. And then you you coming and saying, well, I'm only 26, but I don't feel like I really identify with that either. Even though we both are taking that that you know millennial you know do it for yourself type of thing and do it with purpose yeah i mean it's i've craved doing more i've always craved uh being better at the things that i had started uh and just really growing myself as an individual and so i think that that's been a huge thing that's driven my success is there's always this craving to do it bigger so uh, a lot of that started with in college, I took a big risk. And uh, this was the first time I took a leap and just said, you know, this is something totally crazy that I never thought I would do. And I'm going to do it anyway. And I actually put my graduation on the line, I was supposed to graduate college in three years instead of four years. And I put my graduation on the line because I really wanted to produce and direct a feature film. And when I say feature, I don't mean 10 or 20 minutes, I mean, a 96 minute long feature film with building a rain machine, with a stunt motorcycle driver on a Ducati, with strapping cameras to cars going 110 miles an hour, uh, with cameramen hanging out the windows of those cars at 110 miles an hour. I mean, I really wanted to do some pretty crazy stuff. And, and it was all about the dream, right? I mean, I had this dream of let's produce and direct a feature film and then had to figure out oh crap, how do I do this now? <laughs> you know, like I, I've made the decision, but I don't know what happens after this. And so I think a lot of these millennials have this craving to do something totally out of the ordinary, totally unexpected. And then they kind of have to figure it out. And much like you said, we're that DIY generation of we no longer have to, you know, try and fail and try and fail nearly as much as our ancestors did or those before us because we've got Google. You know, if you don't know how to tie a bow tie, you go to YouTube and you watch a two and a half minute long clip and you look like a million bucks and, you know, you've got your James Bond outfit going for dinner that night. You know, it's it's one of those things where we're just in a day and age where everything is just so readily available for us to become more successful, to become happier, to become uh, more driven to do the things that uh, others are afraid to do. That, you know that that is some pretty big uh, dreams there as far as shooting uh, a film and you know I, I guess at that point you have to just start to break it down like piece by piece and outline every you know grueling detail of what you're looking to accomplish. I mean, did you even have a script at that point? We had a 
so the it was actually inspired by a story. Um, so it was a true story. One of my fraternity brothers in college was a writer. And so his way of coping with uh, losing his mother was by writing out the story of what was unfolding in front of him and really documenting that process so that he could uh, almost kind of save his, his the memory of his mother. Um, so we had not necessarily a script, but a story. And it wasn't until I saw that that I was inspired to make a movie out of it. Like I went and told him, I said, you know, what better to remember your mother and and to really uh, memorialize who she was than to make a movie about her life and your experience in coping with this loss. So, you know, we, we really started with nothing outside of that, but a story or really just an idea of what it could be. Now, how, how far along did you get with it? Uh, so we right off the bat just started, hit the ground running. Uh, we really didn't know what to do. I made this great speech and I remember it kind of as like a Braveheart style speech. I, I stood up on top of a chair and was really rowdy and, and gave this huge talk to the three guys that I wanted to work with. And I told them how we were going to go to Sundance, which never actually happened, but we, we completed it. We, um, in 12 months, raised a $1,000 budget. Uh, we produced and directed it. We had 40 hours of footage by the time we were done. We did a full casting call with students in the theater department. And uh, ultimately, December of 2010 uh, premiered it in front of a sold-out crowd of 250 people at a movie theater. So that was just, I mean, it's a one-of-a-kind experience. Well, that that is. And, okay, so I, I have a bunch of questions. My first <laughs> being uh, the money, right? So $1,000. How do you decide what the, what gets uh, you know part of that budget? Yeah, so this was well, this was back when Craigslist was wildly popular, um, and it still is. But I think that we really tried to be as resourceful as possible uh, by going to Craigslist, by going to local businesses, asking for help, asking for you know if they could donate their restaurant as a location for us to shoot inside of, which many people were totally down for. Um, but we had, I think we reached out to Walmart, I think, and they donated like a $25 gift card and we're like, really, that's it. Like that, that's, that's all you're going to give us. And that's when it really uh, hit home how much we really didn't have to work with. And so, you know, when, when we realized that, um, that's when I kind of had to start making the entrepreneurial type decisions. You know, I had a lot of the uh, actors for that movie kind of sleeping on the floor and the couches of my apartment that I was living in at the time. And I was buying them pizza out of my own pocket just to make sure they had something to eat. And, you know, they were basically living out of my place for the summer uh, while we were filming this whole thing. And so it was all about making that sort of entrepreneurial decision of, you know, it might suck for a while. It might have to come out of my own pocket, but uh, if this is what I need to do to make it happen, then let's do it. Well, I, I love that. And I, I've been there uh, in that situation where everything's got to come out of your own pocket and you just want to make people happy as much as you can. And, and hopefully you, everybody gets what they want, which is, you know, a finished product uh, of sorts. And I'm curious though, how, how, what was the end result with that? So you had, you know, 250 people, but like what, what came after that from the result of all that hard work? You know, it, we premiered it and I walked across the stage at graduation like a week later. I mean, it, I, it was almost like I had this dream and I saw it through till the end. And then for a really long time, it was like this now what type period of time where it was like, well, 
I've got to get a job. You know, I can't, I, I almost felt like I couldn't keep dreaming. I had to just focus on uh, adulting, you know, real life stuff. And, and uh, I call it personing. Sometimes I say it's, it's hard to person without coffee. Um, but I, I think that the dream was always there to do bigger and do greater things. And so it comes back later in life uh, over and over again. And I think if you continue to ignore it and not follow that, uh, it's going to hit you in the head one day. And then you'll say, all right, time to kind of chase this big dream again. I, you know, I, I, I'd agree. Um, and it's, it's really disappointing, right? It's like, man, we did all this work. And did, did you try to submit it to any like film festivals or anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went to uh, the Broadcast Education Association, which is kind of like the, um, you know, Grammys or Oscars of student film festivals. It's out in Las Vegas every year. So it was a relatively big deal um, that we submitted to it. But outside of that, we actually we didn't go to any film festivals It just kind of uh, died off after everyone graduated and went their separate ways. Oh, wow. Well, I mean. It's still phenomenal. Is, am I able to watch the video? Like, can I watch the movie? Is it? it is I have it a uh, unlisted YouTube link because I don't want uh, clients to see how my video work looked back then compared to now. But <laughs> I I do have a link that's out there uh, that I can send to you later on. Yeah, well, I don't have to post it in the in the show. So sorry, everybody listening. If uh, Zephan isn't well, you know. You guys can find me and ask me, and maybe I'll send out the unlisted link. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to. It. I'll uh, I'll watch it here in my theater here at the house. It's, there you uh, go. Yeah, lo I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, I'm always looking for new movies to watch. So it's because <laughs> we go through we watch a movie almost every night. So, <laughs> uh, so okay, so let's let's fast forward to you have your business right. You mm -hmm. you're, you 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 built this uh, video business. Now, how how did like, well, I, I gotta ask, how did you get teamed up with uh, the Secret Service? Did you know somebody, or did they come and contact you? <laughs> it was literally one of those, and and this has been the theme of a lot of my stuff. Has don't been... say Craigslist, please. No, don't say no, that. no, my, no, my no. Secret Service is going to Craigslist looking for help. <laughs> no, I, I hope they're monitoring that just in case. But um, <laughs> no, I a lot of my stuff has been. Uh, being able to notice and recognize when you're in the right place at the right time. And, and this was something, this is actually the same exact reason why I wound up working on season three for House of Cards with Netflix, uh, was recognizing in the moment that you have an opportunity in front of you and being able to decide very quickly how to best leverage that situation. Um, so, and, and a lot of that comes with building up a network of people because all of these have been like referred to me from other people. So, uh, the white house gig, it was a one day shoot and that literally came from someone who called me up and said, you know, I need a second videographer. I can't go at it alone. Uh, you know, I called another guy, but he's not available. Are you free tomorrow to come to Washington DC with me? I can't tell you what it is, but I need a copy of your driver's license. And I'm like, huh? Okay, if he needs a copy of my license, it's probably a big deal. Yes. <laughs> and, and so it, it's been stuff like that. Same thing for House of Cards. I was uh, in the car with one of the videographers I work with, and we were on our way to a video shoot, and he gets an email, and it's a call for a production assistant for House of Cards. And he says, hey, man, you know, I just got uh, this person reached out to me. I'm not available to do it. 
but you know, if you want, you can reach out to them. And I had him give me the phone number of the person that was in their signature. And instead of having him email them back and try to refer me and, you know, me getting back to them, I called that number right away and just said, Hey, here's who I am. You know, you email my buddy, Dan, and he said that he's not able to work. He can't do it that weekend or whatever. Um, you know, I'd love to be there to do it. And they, they interviewed me right on the phone. And uh, within about, you know, two or three hours, I was like working with Netflix. <laughs> wow. Wow, man. That's that's something. Um, well, I'm glad that you took the, the initiative and didn't say, well, my license, uh, not so sure. I want to be like just throwing that around, uh, especially since that's not apparently something that happens regularly in the videographer business. But uh but that that's awesome. I'm, I'm uh, happy you were able to to do that. So let's let's go forward towards your your book and your yeah. podcast and all of that stuff. Um, what what? Well, I guess first, what what is your podcast about? Yeah. So the Year of Purpose podcast was. Uh, I'm going to rewind to tell the backstory of how it started, uh, just very briefly. I went on a trip. Uh, as a way to kind of rediscover myself after exiting a two-year relationship in August of 2014. And, you know, when we get out of relationships, especially when we've been in it for a longer period of time, um, you start to lose sight of who you are because you were a certain person when you were with that person. And now you have to rediscover who you are when you're alone with yourself. And sometimes that can be a very scary thing for many people uh, who haven't really mastered, you know, diving internally, working on yourself. And so as I was on this retreat, uh, one of the things that we did as a group is we're hiking up the side of this mountain and mid conversation, I just turned to the person I'm talking to and I said, I've got to go to California. They're like, what are you talking about? And well, back when I was graduating college, I always said, I'm going to walk across the stage. I'm going to get a one-way plane ticket to California, and I'm just going to make it in the film industry. And I had forgotten, and here I was almost five years later saying, oh, my God, like my dream was to get a one-way plane ticket somewhere and just try something. And, and my gut instinct always told me that that's what I had to do, and I never followed it. And... As soon as I got back from this retreat, I taught myself travel hacking because I knew that I had to go out on this trip. I had to get to California somehow. Uh, I didn't have a ton of money to spend at that point in time. I just learned about this travel hacking thing on a popular website called Reddit. And I was like, you know, let's let's look into this and see how this works. And I started uh, racking up the sky miles using some strategies I learned from online blogs and uh ultimately took a trip. I left November 1st of 2014 and I didn't get back until the 30th. So I took a full month long trip where I put my business on hold. I put my life on hold. I lived off of friends' couches, uh, Airbnb a couple times and just traveled all around the country, ultimately making my way out to San Francisco and Los Angeles and then back home to Baltimore uh, after Thanksgiving. And I mean, I went on this trip thinking, oh, man, here I go. You know, my business could be totally gone by the time I get back. I might not have any money. Uh, my friends and family are going to be pissed at me and thinking that, you know, I'm ruining everything. And um, it was just one of those times where I had to follow what my gut was telling me. And the crazy part was I got back on uh, November 30th, and it, it's – it was such a strange feeling. I looked at my um, my invoicing software for my video business, 
And I had realized that while I was on the road, because I still had my laptop with me and was answering email, I had pre-booked $6,000 worth of work while on the road in a month's time. So I had booked it for December and basically said, hey, I'm away right now. I'll do it when I come back. So I worked for like the first two weeks of December. I worked super hard to knock all that stuff out. And then I turned to my cousin and I was like, hey, do you want to go on a 3,000 mile road trip with me? And I convinced him to take off of work and we did a 3,000 mile road trip around the country. And as we came home on January 1st of 2015, I was thinking about New Year's resolutions and, you know, what do I want to do this year? How am I going to accomplish it? Uh, you know, everybody thinks about this. Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'll lose the 10 pounds, blah, 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 you know? And I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like doing the same thing that I've done every single year, year after year is not going to work. And being a photographer and a videographer, I've always looked at what everyone else does and I've done the opposite. So I flipped it on its head and said, okay, I could sit here and list out 20, 30, 40 goals of things I want to accomplish this year, or I can make the year the goal. And as long as I promise that this year I'm living purposefully and meaningfully and the year is the goal and I wake up every morning doing everything I can to reach that goal, then I've already won. And so that's where the Year of Purpose podcast was born, was kind of out of a promise to myself that I was going to make it my best year yet, but also to learn from other people every aspect of their lives and how they were doing it too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that, that was a long answer to a uh, pretty short question, but, <laughs> but I love it. I, you know, I love that you, uh, you, you did all that and obviously it gave you experiences that you, you wouldn't have had. I'm curious, what, like what's the funniest thing that happened to you or funniest slash scariest slash ironic thing that happened to you while out on the road like that? Oh, <laughs> On our road trip, we ran into police officers four times. <laughs> the first one, we not, got... Not literally, right? Like, you weren't like, oops. Nope, like, no. I smashed into the side of a cop car. No, they were all just very random, ridiculous things. So the first, two of them were on the first night. The first one was, <laughs> we're driving from Baltimore to Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. It's super foggy outside. We're like halfway to Pittsburgh and we just pulled over on the interstate because we had brought our a GoPro with us and we were just shooting videos. And my cousin turns to me and goes, what if we get out here? It looks like, you know, what's that movie? The Hills Have Eyes or something. It's just super creepy fog rolling in over the hills and everything. He's like, let's make a movie. You know, we'll just pull over onto the shoulder. There's no one here. It's like 1130 at night on Christmas Eve. Let's just do this. And we pull over. And before I can even like take the key out of the ignition, I see red and blue lights. And I'm like, Oh, my God. So it, we got pulled over for pulling over. He wanted to make sure we were OK, because the with the fog, you couldn't see anything. It was just zero visibility. And then the second time was, um, I think, when we got to the hotel we were staying in that night, my car odometer was about to hit like five, four, three, two, one. But we were off by like one mile. So we drove around the hotel parking lot 26 times until we hit that one mile because we wanted to <laughs> we wanted to hit the number just for for giggles you know it's christmas eve and two guys just drove to pittsburgh on a whim and um so we got we ran in with the cops again trying to find out why we were driving circles around a hotel parking lot <laughs> what did they think of that answer that you gave them 
when they saw the odometer, I mean, they can't question it, but I, you know, at least we were honest about it. So there was that. And then also uh, on New Year's Eve, we got our car stuck in a ditch because we got lost trying to drive out into the middle of nowhere to light off illegal fireworks that we had bought in Louisville, Kentucky. And we were now in Virginia Beach. So we had really nice, good fireworks we wanted to light off, but we had to find somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so at like one o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve, our car got stuck in a ditch and AAA came and towed us out like two hours later after we had lit off all the fireworks in hopes of attracting someone who could get us out of the ditch. <laughs> well, it happens. And you know what? It's it's experiences like that that, you know, not everybody gets to have. Um, and you can't make that kind of stuff up, apparently. Nope. <laughs> uh, so I, I got to ask, like, how how is your family taken uh, to all this? Like, OK, I'm just going to like up and go and uh, I'll be back when I'm back. And then I'm going to up and go like you just got home. Yeah. And, it, and, and I still do it. I mean, I traveled 25 times in 2015, so I was gone pretty much every other week. Wow. Um, it, it was the first time ever where. I came home and told my mom this huge, grandiose idea of, hey, you know, I'm going to just go do this thing. And she said, okay. Like, she was just like, go do it. I, and I think she realized that because I was speaking with such, you know, passion and, and confidence that in my gut, I really knew I had to do it. And so for me, that was actually a, a big motivator because for a while, uh, my family really had no clue how I would make money when I quit my job. Even my grandparents, every phone call was, are you making money? Do you have work coming in? And they still do it to this day. Uh, so that that was a, a huge thing for me was hearing from them. And then ultimately when the book launched, um, my grandfather's been retired for quite some time now, lives in Florida, was a car dealer or a car salesman for 40 years, um, you know, never did anything crazy with his life. And so when I told him I was writing a book, he kind of had a similar reaction to when I told my mom I was quitting my job of like, what, how are you going to do that? You, you know, you're not a writer. And I mean, I had a learning disability growing up, so no one would ever expect me to do this. And um, I shipped him a, one of the first printed copies and he calls me up and he just can't stop raving about it. And he's like, so, so where do people get this book? And I had to say, you know, oh, they can order it on Amazon. And he's like, well, I'm telling all my friends, they got to call this Amazon guy up and order your book. And I'm like, oh boy, here's that, you know, millennial generation gap again. But yeah, I think approval from the family uh, was huge for me. And I think a lot of it had to be, you know, really showing them first and, and showing the numbers and the proof that I could do it uh, before they came to accept it. Oh, man, you know, it's it's tough because uh, they obviously they, they want what's best for you and they, they want to go, you know, they want you to, to, to succeed. And uh, <laughs> then that guy on Amazon, he knows how to make money, doesn't he? I know, right? That guy, that guy named Amazon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mr. Amazon, if you will. Uh, he it's it's it's. Uh, it's tough, but I, you know, for, for, if I was, if I was meeting you a uh, year, you know, a couple years ago, I, I, my, the thing that I've learned is, is like, look, if I was going to school, right. And, and it, it, this was the case for you even today, if you went back to get your master's degree or PhD or whatever, the first question that people ask you would not be, oh, you're in school. How much money have you made? <laughs> right. 
like this is all a learning process. It takes time. It takes, uh, su- you know, succeeding and then failing and then succeeding and failing and having a lot of those little wins, you know, those hits to make it happen. So, you know, I, and it, it just irks me when people ask like their, their first question is, oh, how much, how much money have you made? And it's like, if I was in school, you wouldn't be asking that question, but yeah. because I'm doing it on my own because I'm using YouTube or Google or whatever, like, is people just not supposed to be disciplined enough at this point or at all ever to be able to be like, I'm going to become uh, a master at this. And it's not because I went to Harvard university. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just in a different day and age where the way they were raised doesn't necessarily work for us. It can, if you want it to. Uh, But I think that, you know, at least my grandparents, you know, they look at me and they don't see how it's possible that I wrote and published a book and it sells online and, and you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people have bought it. Um, so when I called them and said, hey, we just passed, you know, 2000 people bought my book. They're like, how is that possible? Like, you're not even in the bookstore. And so, you know, there's there's a big disconnect. They don't even they don't have a computer. They've never used the Internet and so what what worked for them was, you know, you either go into the Navy or the Army, and that's what my grandfather did. And you come out and you get a job and you hold it for 40 years and you do the same thing for 40 years. You save up all your money, build a family, and that's your life. And I mean, that's those are all things I want to do, minus going into the Navy. I'd love to, you know, do work that I love for 40 years, and I'd love to raise a family and do all these things. I'm just doing it a little bit differently because the world works a little bit differently. It does, but you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm calling to mind uh, a self-taught lawyer in Illinois. You might have, you might have heard of him, named uh, Abraham Lincoln. That, that guy. You know, he's self-taught. So, it, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's a, it's a mindset. It's, it's, um, you know, do, do you need somebody to hold you accountable to say, hey, did you? Did you did you make any money today or automatically making money if you're working for a company? Um, and can you be responsible enough to like, OK, I made like five grand this month. I'm not might not get that same five grand next month. Can I am I responsible enough to like, you know, save enough of it so that I can keep living for four or five months until the next payday comes around? Sure. I mean, it's it's a learning process. You know, it's definitely a stepping stone. Uh, I think that once you see that possibility, though, like once you've had that first $5,000 month, you now kind of understand what that looks like, what that feels like, and what's involved to make that happen. Um, it's I always tell people it's like the five-minute mile. You know, it, before that happened, nobody could beat this five-minute record. And the first person that did it, there were like 100 people the next month later who could do it too because they saw it as a possibility. Someone had actually achieved it. So I think that once you create that first possibility for yourself, that's where everything kind of opens up because you're like, okay, I've done this before already. You know, what did we do then? Learn from it, improve it, make it better, and do that again. Definitely. And, uh, and, and obviously you're doing it. So congratulations to you. And it's only going to get bigger and better from here. Uh, with that said, what's, what's been the biggest roadblock for you, Zephan? Me, <laughs> my, my mind is, uh, my biggest bully. Uh, I'm always my own worst enemy. Uh, I think that, uh, having a creative brain is both a blessing and a curse, um, I've always talked to people about this because 
I come up with a new business idea probably multiple times a day, you know, and if I ran with every single one, I would have never completed it. I would have never built a business. And so I think that a lot of our, our biggest issues, you know, all of our fears, anxieties, it all comes from inside. Uh, so many people want to say, oh, you know, if I just move halfway across the world, it'll, it'll fix everything. And I've actually witnessed people firsthand try that and uh, come back six months later just as miserable, if not worse. And so I think that the biggest thing is uh, the biggest obstacle is really you and uh, where your mind is and keeping that as stable as possible, keeping that functioning as best as possible. Um I've experimented thing with things like going into a float tank, doing a float tank experience. Uh, I've experimented with going to a Shambhala center and, and trying walking meditation. Uh, I, I think that it's all a matter of, you know, trying things out and figuring out how to keep your mind at peace. And uh, it'll kind of trickle down into everything else that you do. You know, the UPS guy has to go to the gym and keep his back strong. Otherwise, there's no point in going to his job, right? But I think that he can't even get to the gym if he doesn't have his mind, you know, in a good spot because he's not going to be motivated to work out. He's not going to have the energy to work out. And so, you know, I think the mind at, at your core is really where your biggest weakness is and also where your biggest strong point is. Well, what's some of the ways that you personally – no, I don't even – actually, I, before I even get there, <laughs> what, what is a, a float tank? Yeah. So for people tuning in, I am hooked on a float tank experience. I love telling people about it. It's a, uh, it's a light proof and soundproof tank that you lay down inside of, and it's filled with about six inches deep of water. So it's, it's not that deep, um, just enough for you to kind of squat down into and, and lay into, um, but six inches or so of water with about a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. So it's kind of like the dead sea you float on top of the water. And because they've created the sensory deprivation experience, uh, you know, there's no light and no sound. It's just you in there floating. And oftentimes, more often than not, uh, you get a hallucinogenic experience uh, where you start to have these wild sort of daydreams. And uh, I got mine the first time I was in there. It took about 15 minutes to settle into it. But I had a, an incredible sort of daydream that... Uh, it, I'm always embarrassed to explain it to people because it's so far out there, but I saw my like six or seven year old self sitting in the floor of my childhood kitchen and uh, walked up and spoke to him and started asking him questions about life and wanting to know answers to, you know, am I going to be okay? You know, will I ever find true love? What am I going to do? What's my purpose? You know, how am I going to make money? Where am I going to be in 10 years? And I just asked question after question. And he was answering intelligently as if he was 10 or 20 years older than I am now. And it was so crazy to have this experience where I got the comfort of, of, you know, knowing my questions were answered and that everything was inside of me. And so everyone's experience is different. Uh, but I highly recommend trying out stuff like that, where you can really kind of find your inner core, your inner self and just, uh, experiment. And some, some call it woo woo. Uh, I call it awesome. And it's just one of those things where you have to open yourself up to the experience. Okay, so uh, I gotta add that to my reminders list of things to do. Um, sounds sounds pretty awesome to me. Um, so okay, so what's some of the ways now that we've explained? 
Woo <laughs> woo. Now that we've explained that, what's uh, what's some of the ways that you you keep your your mind sharp uh, to be able to to do these things? Because I know for me, uh, I get a lot of ideas as well, and usually they just get filed away into Evernote for a later date and time, if that date and time ever happens. What yes. about for you? Well, one of the biggest things that I did, and for some odd reason, I resisted this so badly at first. Um, and, and I had tons of coaches and people tell me, you know, you really need to keep a journal or some sort of a notebook with you um, at all times, even if it's just like a, I have legal pads that sit out on my desk and post-it notes. But I think it's so important to write your ideas down, especially if you're a creative person, because you're always running on all cylinders. You've got so much going through your mind and um, it really allows you to create that space for your head to just work on what you're working on because I could easily get distracted uh, while let's just say, you know, I'm editing a podcast and I could easily get distracted and thinking, huh, you know, I really need to go schedule that next float tank experience. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I'm Googling something or I watched a YouTube video and off I go into YouTube land. So, I think that it's really important to keep a notebook readily available where you can just write down stuff in the moment uh, and just get it out so you can come back to it later and still stay focused on what you're doing because it's far too easy for our minds to just wander off. And uh, especially if you have access to YouTube at that time, it's really going to lead you down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, I got the uh, the notebook like, like I showed you. Uh, I got it right in front of me, and it's got lots of doodles and lots of information in it. The only thing I, I don't like about the notebook is is that I can't always necessarily take it with me. So, like, I'll write stuff on it, but then I got to transfer it to Evernote because I always have my phone with me. I always have a laptop. Well, almost always have a laptop with me, stuff like that, you know, because so, I might not always have the, the notebook with me. But it is important to have it because, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for holding a pen and, and just jotting something down because you can, you can doodle around it and, and make notes and annotations that you can't necessarily make in the, the typing sense, right? Yeah, and part of it too is figuring out how you learn best because some people are visual and some people are audible. So I've also told people too, you know, if you have an iPhone or a smartphone, which like 99% of people do now, they have a voice memos app. And it's just as simple as even if you have a concept while you're driving in the car, if you have to, you know, just hit record, continue driving, and just talk to your phone. You don't even have to hold the phone. You can do it all hands-free and just get the idea out because I, I think that's my other thing too is I'm afraid of like being in the car driving and not able to sit there and write out this idea. But if I can just hands-free be like, hey, Siri, record a voice memo and get moving with it, I think that I can get a concept out there and uh, come back to it You know, when I get to wherever I'm going. Yeah, no, I, I definitely – I like using the voice memos while I'm driving because it's a lot safer than typing for sure. <laughs> Um, Stefan, speaking of your seven-year-old self, what did your seven-year-old self want to be when, uh, your seven-year-old self was going to get older like you? He always wore a Superman cape and hid his Power Rangers action figures in the washer and dryer when his friends came over because he wanted to be the best Power Ranger there ever was. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> uh, you know, Power Rangers, uh, pretty awesome. So it's, <laughs> um, so with with that said, now that you're you're in the podcasting world, you're in the self-publishing world or authoring world or whatever whatever you want to call it, um, and you're starting to transition yourself out of the uh, videographer world, what do your dreams for the future look like? 
I really just want to impact more people's lives. Uh, every time I tell them about how, you know, I took a big leap and just said, you know, I'm going to get a plane ticket to California. Uh, I've always said this, you know, I can't tell you that that was the first domino, you know, that got pushed over that led to, you know, a number one bestseller book. I can't tell you that that led to, uh, you know, the podcast being one of the featured, you know, new and noteworthy podcasts on iTunes. And it's not about being number one or being featured or, or being the best. But the point is that I can't tell you that that one plane ticket is the reason why all these things have happened. But I can tell you that they probably wouldn't have happened if I hadn't set that in motion. And so I think that it's so important to keep in mind that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you crave to do or desire to do uh, as long as you go do it. Okay, so that doesn't really answer the questions, <laughs> Mr. Politician. Uh, what, 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 do you, what do you want more? Like, what's, what's next? So, I, I mean, ultimately, it was, it was to help more people. Um, and this was just a start. The the book was to get the message out there to people that you can have these opportunities if you create them. Uh, the podcast was really to show prime examples of other entrepreneurs and people who are making this happen. And, and one of the best examples I give from the podcast is there was a girl who dreamed that she wanted to be the first woman ever to stand up paddleboard across the Bering Strait. And she made it happen. She's a world record holder. And so I want to get the word out there that it, it really doesn't matter what it is that your dream is, but that you can accomplish it as long as you take you know very simple and, and thought out steps uh, and that you open yourself up to the possibilities of what's true. So working with people, uh, making their dreams come true as well and making that happen for them. And ultimately, uh, you know, I'd love to teach them some of the travel hacking stuff as well because I just have so much fun with it. Mm. So uh, you, you kind of already answered this, but before we get to how people can connect with you and find you online, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I, I actually want to even just add to that last part, which was, you know, I appreciate that you called me out for not totally answering it. And I think the, the reason is that um, I'm still learning you know, where I want to go with it and, and what I want to do and who I want to impact. I've, I've learned that I'm a very good teacher uh, from my time working at Apple. I used to teach one-on-one -on -one sessions and I've worked with so many people since I started the podcast and I've learned all these great things about myself and where a lot of my strengths are. Uh, and I think I'm, especially this year, in a great development phase of figuring out, you know, where could I go in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years and still be really happy with what I'm doing. So I, it's more a thank you and a shout out to you for calling me out um, because I willingly admit that I'm still trying to figure out where, where I want to go with everything. And uh, I think that's part of the dreaming process is, you know, always dreaming for something more. Well, you're, you're very welcome. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's important that we, we do recognize that there's const you're constantly learning and constantly evolving and constantly work. Like, I know I work to work more. Like, there's so many things and so many projects that I want to get out there into the world. And I have to work hard for what I have now to get, you know, the money so that I can continue to work on more projects and more art and more everything more of everything like i i don't want to like there to me there isn't like okay if i get to here and people can't see this but but my hand is up in the air if i get to here uh then i'll just kind of just sit back and just stop learning stop doing stop creating and i'll just be okay with it 
you know, like it's like, or if you like say, let's say you won the lottery, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. so now you don't have to work anymore. But but the thing is, I would still be working. Like, there it wouldn't be stopping. It was just now I'd, ha- I'd be able to pay people to do the things that I need to get done quicker. Yeah, I mean, I might take a, a nice big vacation that I've been wanting to take for a little while. But let's try to take that away from you, man. <laughs> but, but we're always on vacation too. That's why. That's why we're not. That's why you're not an Apple anymore. Right. I mean, and that's why, and you can see this too, because we're on video right now while we're recording, but I'm able to sit here in a hoodie and sweatpants and do my work for the day. And I think that's Amen. one of the best parts about it. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, I'm in the running, you know, marathon shirt here and uh, in sweatpants because it's cold in this house. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. And uh, some people don't get, it. and I wonder sometimes if, if maybe on these calls I should like get dressed up with like a, you know, a tie or I don't even wear ties. I have like three ties, but, <laughs> and, and that's like for funerals, but you know, you know what I mean? Like with a dress shirt and all that, and it's like still be in sweatpants, but I, I just, this is the environment, you know, I mean, you can see my background. There's, you know, this is, this is who I am. And it adds the, the characteristics and the, and the, um, like the layer of, authenticity that comes with with doing this stuff yeah i mean i i think a big part of whatever the dream is that you want to chase is you have to fully show yourself you know in all of its glory uh in all of its failures and all of its uh embarrassments and mistakes you know and i think that you'll find your success increases uh as you open up your transparency you know that it that isn't to say that there aren't some things that you keep privately to yourself you know i don't go out and on podcasts and start talking about my personal relationships or anything like that but i think that there's definitely uh some sort of growth that the world provides for you when you open yourself up and really reveal who you are definitely um so, Zephan, I would love for people to connect uh, connect with you. So how, how can people do that? Yeah, uh, I am all over Facebook. Uh, if anyone searches for me, I'm the only Zephan Moses you're ever going to find. Uh, also, the only Zephan Moses you're going to find on Amazon either. So if you're looking for the book, uh, Life Rescripted is on Amazon. And, uh, of course, yearofpurpose.com gets you to the podcast to check out that stuff. Awesome. I will have those in the show notes so people can connect with you. Zephan, I really appreciate you taking the time today to come on the show. Uh, I, you know, didn't have to get dressed up for me. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I would love to have you on the show again sometime. I think next time, though, I'm going to have to get that T-shirt with the tuxedo printed on it. We'll be a little bit more fancier next time. Yes, yes, yes. Is that what you wore to the uh, the White House? No, I had to wear a suit with my my funeral tie for that one because oh, I'm with you. Man. I only have like two or three ties as well. <laughs> no, it's quite understandable. That's uh, that's how people millennials mostly roll, and uh, you know we're we're here and uh, like us or not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you again, Zephan. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.